Hello and welcome to New Hope Lockyer's podcast. I'm your host Christine Palmer and this Sunday episode we have the brilliant Jeanette Lewis and if you haven't been to our social media pages Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at New Hope Lockyer you need to go and check it out because on there is Jeanette's testimony and her victory dance and you don't want to miss it. Jeanette's going to be bringing us a message from the series Jesus Loves Me. I'm so excited for what God's doing in her life and what she's about to share. Enjoy. Our theme is Jesus Loves Me, as you know. And I was thinking about what do we know of love? And one of the biggest things is um, preparing for marriage and that time of getting to know each other and building up a relationship and preparing for the future and all of that. And so I kind of wove some of that into my talk this morning. Um, and it's interesting that the first miracle um, that Jesus performed that is documented is at the wedding feast in Canaan when he brought out or he provided the best wine at the end after all the mediocre wine had gone. The best wine came through. Um, as I said, that preparation time, as in our time now, is getting to know Jesus better. And he, I mean, he knows us intimately, so he can't know us any better than he currently does, but he reveals himself to us more and more as the days go by. And one of the things that he does is to introduce us to the Father. And it says in the scriptures that through Jesus, we see the Father. So the more we get to know Jesus, the more we'll understand or at least appreciate the Father in our lives. And often Jesus reveals himself to us at our point of need and Often as a moment of salvation, that is a moment of crisis when we actually give up trying to do things ourselves and just surrender and say, well, I can't do it anymore. I need someone's help. So cry out to someone, wherever the vibe's coming from, I'll take it. Um, so that's how we get to know him at the start often. Um, but it develops from there as a relationship should. And if it doesn't, then we're missing out and we need to revisit that. Um, Jesus brings into our lives protection, care, provision, uh, love, um, inspiration, all of those great things. In the moments of our quietness, he inspires beauty and awe in our lives. Um, just this morning, I had a bit of a crisis in my yard. I was here a bit late. The um, little plovers that were nesting in the garden next to me uh, had had their little eggs come through yesterday and all, there were four little plovers running around, which are just balls of fluff with legs on, and they're so cute. Um, but they decided to make their way to the paddock this morning across the road. So I'm glad it was Sunday. It was a very quiet morning. <laughs> and so I went out there and waved to the cars to hope that they would slow down. But it was so beautiful seeing these parent birds 
madly trying to get their little babies across the road, um, but they got them. <laughs> it was good, beautiful. Um, it, the Bible tells us that God calls out from nature itself and shows how great and glorious and how, what a good provider he is to us in every way. Um, I love listening to the Louis Giglio uh, DVDs that show the magnificence of the universe and, and how vast it is that we just, um, our minds can't really cope with it. And yet somewhere in that vastness is a bright, bright speck that is our Earth that is different to every other planet or um, formation in the universe. And that's the love of God towards us. He put that in place for us, for us to be there on this one beautiful planet where he provided everything for us. And everything around is lovely, but it's empty. It, we're the only ones there on the earth. It's just fantastic. So often, though, people want to reason out things. They want to create their own explanations for the glories of creation. But that I think the only reason that happens is that prevents them from facing up to the implications of a loving creator. Because once you recognise that, you've, you're right before him and you've got to think, well, what, what's required of me if he's put all this in place for me? In a growing relationship, there will be recognition of how we don't measure up. Um, our soon-to-be partner, bridegroom, will show us where we miss the target. And not in a condemning way, but in a way that helps us grow and um, let go those things that are holding us back. Let go the things that are hindering us from progress in the relationship with him. And it, yeah, and letting go the baggage from the past that so many of us carry. And, and it can go on for many years. He doesn't do it all at once so that you're a blubbering wreck on the floor. He does it gently and respectfully, but he deals with it. Um, and I think one of the most beautiful descriptions of that that I've ever read is in Hannah Hernard's book, um, Hind's Feet on High Places, where the main character is taken on a journey up the mountains and Jesus deals with the problems in that person's life to the point where he actually gets permission to dig out the, the root cause of the problems in the life. And uh, I think and that's what happens in our lives. It's a beautiful allegory. It's a lovely story. Um, and there's many examples in the scriptures of how he deals with these things um, and without condemnation, just love. There's the woman at the well who had to go there on her own because the whole town knew what she'd been up to and the fact that she'd had five husbands. And she was despised, so she had to go there on her own to avoid the shame. And yet Jesus sat there and talked to her 
and offered her the water of life. And he didn't um, forget about what she'd done, but he made a way forward for her that she could put that aside and carry on her life in love with him. And the woman caught in adultery, this is not all about women, but the woman caught in adultery it was another prime example where Jesus just lovingly ignored all the accusers and let them wander off with the thought that, well, if they've, they're without sin, they can pick up the first stone and throw it. And that put them in their place well and truly. And to the woman, he said, well, go forward and sin no more. And what a relief to her heart that must have been, that someone loved her, showed her respect, and dealt with those accusers in front of her, which is really great. Um, the thief on the cross, at the last moment, he called out to Jesus and said, remember me. He didn't ask for any great gift or anything. Just remember me. He knew that Jesus didn't deserve to be there. and But Jesus promised him eternal life, that he'd be with him. And my final example is Peter and the crying of the cockerel. How awful it must have been in that moment when Peter realised Jesus had known that um, he was going to deny him. Uh, and yet he still loved him. But Peter probably bashed himself around the head about that. But we'll get to that in a minute. Um, this revelation of how we fail to put aside our own desires and wrong behaviours, it reminds me of a very old hymn, and I didn't realise how old it was. The, the words were actually written in the 1500s. Um, but this came to me while I was thinking about this topic. It's the hymn is My Song is Love Unknown, and it's a beautiful, beautiful hymn. It says, My song is love unknown, my saviour's love to me. It's love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? It's a wonderful thought. Each person is unique and he knows us intimately, better than we know ourselves. Um, and he deals with us in different ways. E each person, he will handle your issues my, and my issues in a, a different way. And I think a great example of that in recent times has been the book The Shack by William Young. And it's interesting that he used different characters to represent God at a point where the main character actually needed God. Um, and some people were a bit upset about um, a rather large lady being God at one stage, but he needed a mothering figure to look after him at that point. And it changed as the story went on. Um, and it, he came across as a father at times, a mother, or a close companion, and all those are shown to us through the scriptures. Um, but it was a lovely story, the way it was all put together. 
um, the, the scriptures show us God as a rock, as the one who we can lean on, who will never move. And that certainly has been um, a comfort to me over the last few months that what he says is true and it's not going to change and I can rely on that. And even though I might wobble all over the place at the moment, he's the rock that does not move. Um, he also shows himself as the mother hen who puts her arm around her little ones, like I saw this morning, <laughs> and protects them and comforts them and provides for them. They don't see what she's doing, but she's there for them. Even... Um, in danger to herself at times. Um, he is the light to our path. He directs our steps when we're listening and even sometimes when we're not listening, he'll put up doors to stop us going into places we shouldn't be going. Um, but he is the light to our path, which is great when you try, you know you want to move forward but you're not sure where you're going and he's the destroyer of our enemy we already know what the end of the story is um, and we can rely on that that he will deal with him and he loves those who do not love in return he reaches out to the lost and never gives up and he breaks down wrong concepts and I think one of the hardest things that any family or close companion can deal with is loving someone who does not love you back. And that can happen through injury or illness. Um, it can affect people where they do not know what love is. They don't understand. And... You guys may not know, but I, I was married. Oh, I am technically married um, uh, many moons ago. And I couldn't understand why everyone said, oh, you've made such a difference to your husband. And I thought, what do they mean? I just knew him the way he was. Um, but we found things very difficult. And I couldn't understand how to make things better for him. And no matter what I would try to do to um, make his life good, he would often sabotage those attempts. And eventually he moved on and we separated. Um, but many, many years after that, his mum actually explained to me that he'd had um, an operation on his brain very early on in life and the doctors had warned that it would could affect the area of your brain that is involved in loving other people and emotions. And suddenly it became so clear why he behaved the way he behaved. But um, it was sad that she didn't tell me earlier on and we could have prayed about it, even if he didn't know about it. I still prayed for him, but... <laughs> Um, we could have dealt with it there and then. Anyway, whatever, God's in charge, he knows. But it is really hard to try and love someone 
who doesn't love you back. I mean, I know we don't, it's not supposed to be, well, I did this, therefore you've got to do that. Um, but you expect some kind of loving relationship to happen. Anyway, Jesus is good at it. He will persist and persist and persist um, until the last moment. People have every moment in their life to respond to him. So we just pray for them. Um, okay, after Jesus rose from the dead, he had a meeting with Peter to determine where their relationship stood. Three times he asked Peter if he loved him. And in Ray Bevan's book, Journey to the Centre of, of Your Heart, he describes that encounter in relationship to how we deal with Jesus. And he says, We begin to empathise with Peter and know exactly what he felt like as Jesus took him on a journey to the centre of his heart over a divinely prepared breakfast by the sea. On his private cardio excursion, Jesus had Peter stop at three stations. The first station is the station of responsibility. So as Jesus asked him, do you love me? Um, each time there was a slight flavour in the response. Um, and at this point, the first stop, responsibility, it says, as he stepped off the train, in big bold letters over the station entrance were these words, do you? This was no time to measure his failure with others. Peter had the, to face and answer Jesus honestly if he was to carry the responsibility of feeding his saviour's sheep and taking the gospel to the world. The second station, relationship. First, Firstly, his personal relationship with Jesus had to be established and secondly, the focus and priority of his love. Jesus did not ask Peter, do you love the ministry? Because he knew there would be days when he would want to leave it. He did not ask him, do you love my sheep? Because he knew there would be days when through frustration he would want to eat them. Jesus took Peter on a journey to the centre of his heart to settle the fundamental question, which is the bedrock of fulfilled destiny. Do you love me? And finally, the third station was the station of replacement. Peter, vis Peter visited this station as Jesus took him on a journey to the centre of his heart and he said to him, do you love me more than these? Jesus can do little with a disciple whose heart is divided. Jesus was asking, is there anyone or anything in your life that takes my place? Not only did Jesus ask for his whole heart, but he expected Peter to bury the competition, to bury the competition. Unbelievers forfeit God's best for their lives through rejection. A believer does the same thing through replacement. When we put something else ahead of Jesus, that's cutting out the relationship that we should be having. Even the Bible talks about family or close friends or whatever. Um, even those things are not to be above our love for him. 
He's a jealous God, wanting all our heart without exception, holding nothing back. So let go of anything or anyone else. Free your hand to hold on to Jesus. He gives us gifts to enrich our lives and to be a blessing to others, small or large. Out of the blue, surprises. Sometimes we're asking for things and we receive them, but often he will give us a gift that we weren't expecting and sometimes they're the best ones. They're the nice surprises. They may be tangible, as in finance or good health, and they may be spiritual. So we need to receive and be thankful and recognise the giver and his heart. He's preparing for us robes of righteousness, a crown, mansion, treasures. Earth is giving us a glimpse of heaven. And Jesse Duplantis, I remember hearing him speak one time, and he was talking about conversation he had with the Lord, and he was planning out his mansion, saying, well, I want French antique furniture around the place, and this and that and the other. And I think, well, I'm not going to say what I want because I want to see what he's going to surprise me with. It's always the best. Eventually, we look forward to the wedding feast of the Lamb, the end of pain and suffering, the culmination of our relationship with him. Finally, we will see him face to face, nothing in the way, and look into his eyes of love. And I have a painting here that a young, an eight-year-old girl did of Jesus' face from a vision that she had had, and the Lord had trained her to paint and it's such an amazing picture Um, but from a distance you won't be able to see it but I'll put it out on the table out there it's just an amazing thing and the eyes are so wonderful looking into his eyes of love looking back at us that is going to be so special so what's our response to all this the event described by Ray Bevan at the end of his book may help now I can get my fingers to work here. Okay. Here we go. Some time ago, so Ray Bevan's a pastor in Wales. I've heard him speak several times. He's been over and uh, shared with us, and he's a great speaker. I was preaching in a small church in the north of England. I was using Revelation 3.20 as my text. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. My remarks were directed towards Christians who were attempting to live their lives with Jesus on the outside. The emphasis of the message was not on our irresponsibility or on the stupidity of thinking it's possible but on the passionate plea of our Saviour as he seeks to take his rightful place at the centre of our lives. At the end of the message, I asked people to come forward for prayer. Many came, but my heart reached out to one particular teenage girl who seemed to be carrying the weight of the world upon her shoulders. As I looked at her expressionless face, out of my mouth came these words. Young lady, I feel God is asking you to take the do not disturb sign down from the door of your room. She lifted her head, her eyes as wide as saucers. Then, 
as if an explosion had taken place inside her, her once expressionless face turned into a picture of tearful joy. Tears rolled copiously down her face. She seemed uncontrollable. A man ran over to her, put his arms around her to comfort her. Later, I learned he was her father and the pastor of the church. When I inquired as to the intensity of his daughter's reaction to those words, he said, My daughter has been suffering with depression. She's been desperately longing for God to help her. Preachers come and preach about the love of God, and my daughter longs to embrace Jesus in unconditional surrender. She doesn't really believe deep down he wants to embrace her. On her bedroom door, she has placed a sign, do not disturb depressed person inside. When you spoke those words, she knew it was a direct attempt by Jesus to gain entrance through the door of her heart. At that moment, she knew he cared. At that moment, she knew he loved her. She knew the problem was not his rejection of her, but her replacement of him. She knew it wasn't a question of his love for her, but her refusal to accept it. So it's time to take down the do not disturb signs from the door of your heart. It's time to abandon our self-imposed privacy and throw the doors wide open to the best friend we will ever have. So I think that's a good place to end this topic. And uh, thank you, Lord, for speaking to us at the centre of our hearts. Thank you, God, that you love us even when we're not lovable. Lord, there is never a time when you do not want to come to us. You are always waiting and ready. And Jesus, we just thank you that um, your love encompasses everything in our lives, our body, our mind, our spirit, and that you leave nothing to chance. You will deal with everything that we need dealing with. And we just love you in return. And we look look forward to that day when we do look into your eyes of love with nothing between us and we will just know that forever we are going to experience that love in jesus name amen